Well, welcome to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. The Unstoppable Freedom Alliance is part of a growing movement across America that's fighting for freedom and the values and ideals that this country was founded on. Today, we have an absolutely incredible guest by the name of Eli Crane, and you are going to be inspired by him. Eli is a man of faith, a husband, a father, a veteran, and an entrepreneur. He joined the Navy SEALs the week after 9-11 and spent eight years as a Navy SEAL. After five deployments in the Navy, three to Iraq, he decided to turn the page. You might have seen Eli and his wife, Jen, on ABC's hit show, Shark Tank, where they successfully landed a deal with Mark Cuban and Kevin O'Leary. He's also a brand ambassador for Sig Sauer Firearms. Uh, he loves raising awareness about veterans' issues and regularly engages in conservative thought leadership through social media. He and his wife of 15 years and their two daughters reside in Tucson, Arizona, where together they run their company, Bottle Breacher, and raise their family. Most recently, Eli has decided to run for U.S. Congress in his home state, Arizona District Number 2. And he is an American First candidate, has the courage and leadership skills necessary to keep America free and prosperous. Eli, whoo, lot there, buddy. You've had quite a run. Welcome to Unstoppable Freedom. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. You bet. Okay, so I got to tell you right off the bat, um, I need you to know that I remember seeing you and Jen on Shark Tank pitching the bottle breacher, and and we were all rooting for for you guys to get a deal. You know, we're we're fans of the veterans, uh, but we're sitting there, and I used I used Shark Tank as a way to teach my kids about how to value a, a business. You know, how do you decide and determine what what value a business has? But we were rooting for you for big big time. No, I appreciate it, man. That was a that was a great opportunity for sure. We have, uh, I actually have two bottle breachers and we've, we've used them uh, through leadership training. I've worked with a bunch of your, your buddies uh, with the Navy SEALs. We've done a lot of leadership training uh, for our leadership teams. And we've always given out those as gifts because they're so well received. And, uh, you know, so I've got a couple here in the office, got a couple at home, giving them out to a ton of people. I actually went to the website after Shark Tank and ordered some right away. So we were we were some of your first customers following Shark Tank. I I appreciate it. I, I'm hoping you weren't some of my first frustrated customers because uh, there were a lot of frustrated customers after Shark Tank. You know that's one of the dichotomies of uh, you know when you're watching Shark Tank, you you're rooting for this garage born you know kitchen born company whatever it is um, this small mom and pop. And uh, who makes, you know, maybe, you know, 50, 60, 100 units of whatever they're making on a good day. And then after Shark Tank, you know, in our case, we had to we woke up the next day and we had to make 60,000 units. And, you know, for most of us that don't for for those of us that manufacture, you know, our own products, um, you know, especially here in the USA, it's not like you pick up the phone and you call China and say, hey, we want. We need you to send us 60,000 units because we we just went on national television. You know, we, we had to figure out how to make all of that stuff. And it was a good um, entrepreneurial challenge and a good production challenge. But it was definitely yeah. stressful. And uh, we, we tried to we, we tried to make our customers as happy as we could and get the stuff out the door as quickly as we could. But thank you for supporting us, Jimmy. Yeah, you bet. So is, is this one of those we started this business in our garage story. I mean, it's like, like an Apple story. It, that's exactly where this business started. It started in my garage on my, on my workbench. And I would just take, um, spent 50 cal casings and I would cut into them with my Dremel tool and try and fit you up, try and figure out how to make, uh, make the cut. Now, a po important part of the story for those that didn't see the shark tank episode, I didn't create the 50 cal bottle opener. I just kind of made it better and mainstreamed it and marketed the hell out of it. And, uh, yeah, my first one came from the Philippines. My little brother went over there right? on a deployment and, uh, brought it back to me. So, you know, when all my buddies started asking, where can I get one of these cool bottle openers? <laughs> I, you know, it kind of made me think, I wonder if I can make those cause it seems pretty simple. And so I started working on it with a Dremel tool, um, at my workbench and before long, you know, we were, we were in production. 
It's amazing. You know, I'm for those who are watching the video, you'll see this. And for those who are listening, you won't see it. But I've got a couple of them right in front of me. And, and you'll see even I customized, you know, the, the cool thing about these bottle breachers are and what they are is just crazy fancy um, old rounds of what if these are 50 caliber? Yes, sir. 50 caliber rounds that function as a bottle opener. And, and not only do you have these, but I, and I customize them for my family. I gave them out to all my, uh, my kids, my family, uh, my brothers and sisters, they all have them. And then we gave them out as awards. But uh, it, it was, what's cool about these things is it's a veteran owned company. You've perfected it by, for sure. And now I actually have a, a grenade. Is that, I mean, I have a grenade bottle opener. Is that the latest product? Well, we call that the freedom frag. So um, it's it's a dummy grenade. All the stuff that we make is inert, so it's not it's not a weapon, and it's kind of recycling and repurposing, um, you know, military grade or uh, you know, ammunition. Or in in the case of the grenade, it was never a grenade. It's just made to be a replica, right? Uh, yeah. Um, but it, it's a it's a grenade that opens your beer. It looks kind of like a grenade, except it's got a huge hole in the bottom of it, um, and you can personalize it. You can, you know, put somebody's name or company logo on it. We uh, mm. we include some marketing, um, you know, or some warning material in it. Do not take this into the airport. Do not take it into the courthouse, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, it's funny. Yes. We Bottle Breacher makes the TSA uh, top ten dumbest products or most, you know, ridiculous products taken through airport security every year. So, um, you know, it's it, so great. You know, it is. They're 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 cool gifts, and we enjoy uh, we enjoy making them because. You know, that's one thing that I tell people all the time, um, you know, you know, men, we never really grow up. We just get cooler toys. And that's one <laughs> of the reasons that this has become such a, a big deal is that, yeah. you know, most guys, when we started this, had never held a 50 cal round in their hand, let alone right. one that could open their beer and had their <laughs> their name or their company or their, you know, team on the back of it. And so, you know, yeah. that that's kind of the magic behind it. It really is cool, and and I have experienced the uh, the dilemma of not being able to bring it to the airport. So we were all scrambling because we gave them out for our leadership team. We give out all these all these gifts, and we're like, oh my gosh, wait a minute, you guys can't fly back with this. And so we had to scramble to figure out how to make that happen, but we were able to do it. So just tremendous product, works flawlessly, a lot of fun, connects us to the military. Super grateful for what you're doing. It is so. We're going to talk a lot about your career, and I'm going to come back to this. I want to come back to this uh, entrepreneurial spirit that you have, right? But I want to I want to back up a little bit for our our audience. Um, I want to tell them a little bit more about your history. I think what makes your story uh, incredibly interesting, especially from an American freedom perspective, very unique, is because of the variety of experiences that you've had, right? Number one, you experienced the 9-11 terrorist attacks, right? You were, how old were you when those attacks happened? I'm uh, 21 years old. 21. And you entered the Navy right after that event, right? Yeah, the, the week after I started dropping out of all of my classes at the University of Arizona. And then I think within close to 10 days, I was on a plane um, flying from Phoenix to Chicago for a Navy boot camp. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Right. So, so you have that moment and we'll dig into that in a minute. And, and the second thing you served, you served in the most elite special forces team in the world. So not only did you enlist into the military, but you went into the, the hardest pathway you could possibly take. And then after that serving, uh, and by the way, thank you for serving super grateful for you and all the other veterans that, that do that. Um, Number three, you became a very successful entrepreneur, uh, and now you've decided to run for office. So we're going to kind of go through that progression a little bit. Uh, but before we dive into that, I have a, I have a question I want to open up with, and I ask all our guests this. Why do you love America? What, what are the things, the fundamental things you love most about America? Well, I think, uh, obviously, it, it's cliche, but freedom, right? Um, when you look at how our founders created this country, they could have done like every other, you know, world leader, dictator, or tyrant before them and said, Hey, look, I have the power. I can write this and make this any way I want. Why not keep it to myself? 
They did the exact opposite. They created a, a government in a country that was of, by, and for the people, right? And, and that's the reason I love it because we still, and, and I hope this never changes, but we still have the ability to hire and fire our leaders if they're not representing us the way that we want to. And so that's why I love this country because, you know, we not only not only can we shape um, in, in a sense our culture and our government and our way of life by uh, electing, you know, representatives that have share our values, but we can also say what we want to say. And, um, you know, not most places in the world aren't like that. Like I can, you know, regardless of what you think of the cur- current commander in chief or regardless of what you thought of the last commander in chief, if you want to go on social media right now and say, I hate this guy, I think he's a complete buffoon. You can do that. Should mm-hmm. you do that? That's a, you know, that's another, that's another debate. But the fact that you can actually do that, you can't do that in Iran. You can't do that in China. You can't, you can't do that in a lot of places around the world. And we are so blessed to have freedom of speech here and the freedoms that so many people have sacrificed so much for. And it didn't just happen. The people that met, our founding fathers that met, you know, when they started drafting the Constitution and looking at the formation of this country, they were guilty of treason the moment they met. And they could have been hung in the town square. And to me, that's... You know, Ronald Reagan said a long time ago, he said, freedom is always one generation away from extinction. And we've grown up with so much freedom and opportunity and prosperity that we take it for granted. We just think, oh, this is the way it's always going to be. And and there's a reason you hear people call America a great experiment because it's very unique and it was an experiment and it changed a lot of the world, you know, um, and, and I think for the better in many ways. And that, that doesn't mean that we're perfect by any stretch of the imagination. You know, and anybody that, in my opinion, you hear compare America to some utopia isn't being realistic at all. You know, yeah. you, what you have to do is you have to compare it to other real countries, other civilizations, other cultures. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's why yeah. I love America. It's, it's imperfect, but it's amazing. And anybody that grows up here, Anybody who lives here now is blessed. And, and yeah. that's my story, and it always will be. I love it. You know, I was thinking, you said something very interesting that no guest has said before, that our founding fathers actually had the power to create a government where they were truly in power, yep. right? I mean, that, I never thought of it that way. They, these were the leaders at the time. They could have written and designed something very similar to what was happening all around the rest of the world the tyrannical dictators, the kings, the people, you know, creating a class system. But instead, they created a we the people. And, and you said it best, of, by, and for. And that we, it's a beautiful thing. We will touch on free speech a little later because I think it's under incredible assault. Um, but let's start with your military service. So you touched on it a little bit that 9-11 happened. Uh, were you? Did you grow up in a in a military family? Did you grow up in a patriotic family? What was the moment, that defining moment of 9/11, that made you decide to leave the University of Arizona? I think you said to leave the university and to and to go into the Navy. Well, first off, I I did not grow up in a military family per se. Um, I did have, you know, a grandfather that served during World War II. But my parents, neither of them served in the military. But I, I will say that my parents were very patriotic and they raised me and my brothers to understand that freedom isn't free. And they raised us to respect, you know, men and women that put a uniform on every day and um, have a job that's so much bigger than themselves or just health care or a paycheck. And so that's one of the reasons I, I'm so grateful for, you know, men and women, you know, that um, that are first responders and, you know, military individuals, because they, they do when they, when you go down a career path like that, it is so much bigger, um, than your paycheck or your, you know, your 401k or insurance or what a lot of people strive, strive to do. And, uh, you know, that's something that will always be important to me. And does that mean that there's not bad people in the military? Of course not. Does that mean that there's not bad police? police officers? Of course not. I I think it's even ridiculous that we have to say these things, but you know, the, the, 
you know, these institutions get held to a much different standard than any other institutions out there to the yes. point where now you're hearing conversations of, hey, we should defund the police. And it's just completely yeah. asinine and stupid. Yeah. I, it is. You know, and I apologize, Jimmy, I'm going off on a little tangent there, but no, no, uh, we'll go there. You know, because because my parents raised me to respect men and women that try and keep, you know, uh, our society and our culture on a certain course and try and, yeah. you know, fight for. Um, you know, freedoms and the safety of other people. Um, and then yeah. after witnessing 9-11, yes. you know, like the rest of, like the rest of Americans, I was shocked. Yeah. I was angry. Mm-hmm. I was upset. And I, I, I wanted justice. And so I said to myself, you can either, you can either talk about it or you can do something about it. And so I was like, Hey, mm-hmm. look, I can always come back to school. I can always get a degree. There, I don't know that there will ever be a time like this in my country's history where they need the next generation to step up and go serve. And so that's what yes. I wanted to do. It's amazing. And a lot of young men in particular and young women were motivated by the 9-11 attacks. I'm imagining that you remember where you were when that happened. 100%. Yeah, I was down at the University of Arizona. I, I, was, in, I was enrolled in a class that was called the Ranger Challenge Program. We didn't yeah, have a seal. On. We didn't have a seal challenge program, uh, you know, at U of A, and so it was the closest thing I could get to preparing myself for the program that I wanted to go into when I graduated. Mm. Um, we had just done an early morning evolution. I'd gotten gotten in my car, some training evolution. I'd gotten in my car. I was, you know, going to drive back to the fraternity house that I lived in and that I was a member mm. of. It was called Alpha Gamma Rho. It was a bunch of uh, farm boys. Um, and, you know, ranchers and just really good, just really good dudes. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I, as soon as I turned on the radio in my car, I always had it on talk radio and, you know, I heard, I could hear what was going on, you know, that the towers were under attack. Um, and, you know, I drove back home. I woke up all the, all the guys that lived in that house and I was like, Hey guys, you guys got to wake up. We got to watch this. And so we all sat around that day, just like everybody else glued to the television, trying to figure Mm -hmm. out you know, uh, what was going on and, you know, just dumbfounded and in shock that somebody would do that, um, here in this country. And, you know, as I remember it, it was the clear, I don't know if it was in Arizona. I was on the East coast at the time. It was the clearest day, sunny, bright, sunshiny day, uh, crisp air. I'll never forget the way it felt. I was out at a, uh, at a golf event for the fellowship of Christian athletes and uh, when the first plane hit, when the report came in, you, you know, there was a question mark in your mind, like, well, gosh, was that just a horrible accident? And then when you got word that the second plane hit, then you knew we were under attack right away. Uh, is that how you felt? Like it was as it evolved, it became much more serious, didn't it? Absolutely. You know, it, it absolutely did. And I think that, you know, a lot of people had a bunch of different emotions on that day. And I think it started with maybe shock. And then as things progressed and it, the picture started to become more clear, um, I think for a lot of us, it turned into maybe maybe some anger for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then for a lot of us, I think it turned into, OK, so what do we do about it? And yes. that's what led me down to the recruiter, recruiting office here in uh, Tucson. And, and, and that's what later put me on a, a plane to, uh, you know, Great Lakes. It's amazing. I. Um... I'll never forget the days following 9-11 when, when you know, when the, the group that was responsible for or groups that were responsible f- came to light. And then the absolute unity in American culture, in our communities. I've never seen more American flags raised. Uh, we, we have a flag up all year round, as do many people in America, because we love America. We love the opportunities that America has with all of its flaws. But I'll never forget just this absolute unity around defending America, that we were attacked. We all came together together regardless of political party, gender, race, community, state. None of it mattered because we were one. And I, I think that's the beauty of e pluribus unum, out of many one, is that we do stand for certain inalienable rights. We do stand for certain principles that we unite around. 
And when you come under attack, it's like somebody attacking your family. You're going to come together real fast. Um, is that what you felt? Did you, you got a sense of that because you went right down and enlisted, um, and you saw the groundswell of American support to defend ourselves, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I definitely saw that and I felt it. And that's why, you know, I, I agree when I hear people say that um, they'd love to have another 912 where they just saw Americans, you know, the a unity that they'd never saw or, or felt before. And, you know, it's it's so sad to me that it takes something like 911, uh, a, a tra- a, just a complete tragedy like that to wake people up to what we have here and how it, how it is how it is under ta- attack and people 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 around the world hate what we have here they hate what it represents and how lucky and fortunate we are to you know have it and how how precious life is because it can be gone in an instant and you this is one of the this is one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing now and one of the reasons I did what I did back then is because I realized that we live in a broken fallen world and evil never sleeps um and you know it's like we do have an enemy who comes to steal kill and destroy and uh you know it 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 just break it just breaks my heart um i wish that i i wish that i wish that that unity was something that you know was an everyday thing and i wish that we didn't take it for granted as much as we do yeah i agree you know you mentioned a scripture verse you know that that talks about the the enemy that we do have a common enemy in fact i remember when we were attacked from the outside we we had a common enemy outside and we could rally around that i think what what we're seeing now is the enemy is within right we're being divided so whether it's through politicians or leaders or you know insert the group that's dividing us trying to divide us and separate us into all these little groups so that they can divide and conquer and they're introducing an anti-faith anti-freedom, anti-family, anti-American ideology that is tearing apart what used to unite us, this common, uh, this common value system of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, creating that positive vision for America, what we can be. We've never lived up to the promise yet, but we will. I believe we will. And at the very least, we will be in pursuit of it. It's very difficult to withstand uh, the enemy within, right? A house divided. Do you see that today? 100%. 100%. And it's one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing in, in running, you know, for political office, something that I never wanted to do. And, you know, I, I do believe that everything that you see going on, and I know not everybody agrees with me on this, and that's okay. Uh, but I do believe everything you're seeing going on does have spiritual undertones to it. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just, it, Again, it makes me as I as I watch my country being destroyed from within. You you mentioned division. A lot of that division, unfortunately, uh, is very intentional. It is very intentional. It's and you you put it, in my opinion, right on. Uh, divide and conquer. It's one of the oldest. It's one of the oldest military, you know, tactics in the book. And that's why you see cultural Marxism in so many of our institutions if you if you look at cultural marxism if you study it um and intersectionality um the whole point of it is to divide us up into small little groups victimhood groups and then assign points based on how far away from the cultural hegemony or how far away from the top you are and it just creates resentment it creates division animosity you know and i you know, I, I like to go back to, uh, I think it's in Galatians. Um, it says, now for there, for we are neither uh, Greek nor Jew, free nor slave, male nor female. We are all one in Christ. And, you know, I again, I realize that not everybody's on the same page, you know, with, with me and, and where I come from and my perspective. I am a Christian. I don't run from it. Um, you know, I'm you know, I'm proud to, I'm proud to be a Christian and I'm proud, you know, what, what that, what that means and what it stands for. But it does break my heart to see all this, all this division. And I, I would love to get back to a place in this country where we could say, you know, we could look at one another and be like, okay, you're not a Christian. You're, you're a Mormon or you're a Catholic or you're a Muslim or or whatever you are. And we, we can agree to disagree on, you know, 
certain aspects of religion and you know what we think about politics, but isn't it great that we live in a place that we can agree to disagree? Not, hey, I want you canceled because you're you're this or you're that or yes. you know you're you're deplorable or you know to me that 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 completely undermines what America is supposed to be about anyway. It's supposed to be about the ha- having the freedom to have diversity of thought and opinion and idea and being able to you know um, you know speak that without the fear of you know repercussion or canceling and and it's one of the again it's it's one of the reasons I look around mm-hmm. and I'm like. I have two kids. I have two daughters and like, I'm scared to death. What I see, what the future, the future that I see, the trajectory this country's on, I'm scared to death with, with what they're going to be left with. And that, you know, to me, it's unsat and it me, it's like, okay, you like Jimmy, I thought when I left the military in 2014, man, I thought I was done fighting and I was looking forward to living the American dream and just, you know, taking a wrap off as we used to say in the military all the time. Mm-hmm. And as I've watched this country, you know, spiral out of control, I've said to myself, Eli, you can't, you can't get out of the fight. You have to keep fighting because your yes. kids and, and their kids and the next generations, you owe it to them. You got to yes. grow up with freedom and opportunity and prosperity and the ability to agree to disagree because you still live because men and women before you fought for that. And if you don't yes. do it, if you don't keep fighting, that's on you, brother. And 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 that's a, that's unacceptable. So you know, it's like I think I think the the perception of a lot of people that run for offices is, oh, you know, these 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 individuals, they all just want power. And I understand why. I I've, I've been in that camp myself. But for me, I don't like I don't like I don't like this stuff. Mm. But I do it. I'm willing to do it. I I'm willing to say, hey, I'll go. I'll, I'll go, not because I like the self-promotion of telling people why they should vote for me, but because I see it just I see it as service, just like when I rogered up after 9/11, saying, "Hey, I'll go, send me and send me into the yeah. thick of it," you know, and I might make it, I might not make it, but mm. um, I'm not going to sit around and watch it burn. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting the correlation between your entry into the military. There was an event, a, you know, a, a tragic event that created an opportunity for you to say, I'm going in. I'm, I desire, I'm angry about this. We're going to defend America. We're going to defend American values. We're going to defend, defend our people. I'm seeking justice. And you got into the fight because you knew we were under attack. And it's interesting, the parallel of your, you know, seeking to serve in Congress now in Arizona is that you see a different kind of war going on, a different kind of assault on America. And you said, I'm not going to stand by and not do anything. And I think that's the key. What the, one of the key messages we're trying to get out to everyone, all of our listeners and every American, is that freedom, defending it, protecting it, is all of our responsibility. You know, no one can sit on the sideline and watch things degrade, watch things divide, watch our basic values and ideals get crushed and trampled. We all have to step into the fight. You happen to be doing it by running for Congress. And by the way, I'm an East Coaster uh, originally. I grew up in upstate New York, went to school in Virginia, spent some time in the Virginia, Maryland area, love the East Coast. But I can tell you, no one likes inside the Beltway, D.C. Like that, nobody likes that. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody, you know, it's the it's the power center, right? The power and yeah. control. Right. Um, so for you as a veteran, an, an era, you know, from Arizona, desiring to represent your state and enter the fray and get into that fight is pretty remarkable because politics was probably the furthest thing from your your mind, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, there are a lot of correlations between what I did in the military and when I joined it and and what I'm doing now. And I, I gotta be honest, even though I think there's a much better chance of, uh, you know, me not coming home and ultimately death. Um, I, I, there's a part of me that would take that any day because it meant that, you know, the sacrifice would be in somebody else's backyard. And yeah. I, I saw my, my family not having, obviously they would have to deal with the fallout of that, but at least I felt like they'd be safe. 
this is in many ways more scary to me because it's right here at home. It's right here within. And, and my kids are 100%. They're already dealing with it. My, my wife is already dealing with it. My friends and my family, my community, they're already dealing with, um, this war, um, to destroy America from within. I know that's, I know a lot of people hear that and they think, Oh, Eli, you're being, you know, hyperbolic or you're, you're, uh, you're overstating. And, and if, if, if you, if you haven't figured it out yet, and I don't mean that yeah. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but there is a war on American yes. culture. There are plenty of people embedded within the highest positions in every institution that we have that don't like what America stands for, what it represents. Yes. They don't mm. like the fact that we, the people, have the power here. They, they want yes. the power. They want control. And unfortunately, they'll do anything just like humanity has for the entire time of its existence to get that yeah. power. And so yeah. it is a, it is a fight. And, um, you know, it, it, it this isn't how I wish I was spending my time, Jimmy. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, you know, I let, I got home at one in the morning, drove all the you know, drove up to Prescott last night for an event. You know, nice. myself and my team came back, got home at one. I'll be headed right back up north um, early tomorrow morning to do another event. And it's like, um, you know, sacrificing a lot of time away from my family. But again, yeah. it's service. And it's like if yeah. that same thing. If I don't go, who's going to do it? Yes. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because I, uh, I had a similar moment about eight months ago. Uh, my dad did some research back in the day uh, to discover that we are actually descendants from someone that fought in the American Revolutionary War, which was pretty cool. And I remember when my dad first told us that, that we were sons of the American Revolution. We thought that was pretty neat, but I, at the time, I, I don't think I took it as seriously as I should have. And, and I really admire my dad for going through that process. But just the idea that, you know, to, to be a descendant from those that fought, only 3% of, of the colonists fought in the Revolutionary War. Only 3%. 15% of those back then either financed the war, housed soldiers along the way, benefited them, assisted. So we know that there's this small remnant. There's this remnant of people that God is rising up to defend freedom. You said this, and by the way, I woke up one morning and and had, you know how God speaks to you in the, in the quietness of your spirit, and uh, he said, I have a new assignment for you. I had been doing ministry with the uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes for many, many years. Loved that. Uh, It's bringing the good news to coaches and athletes, and I know you were a former athlete. We'll say you're still an athlete. It's all right. Um, And and I woke up, and God said, hey, I have a new assignment for you, and you're going to enter this fight for freedom. And he's slowly laid out each of those steps along the way to amplify the voice of freedom fighters and to organize a grassroots movement for people to engage in their local communities, to reignite a passion for freedom, and to really make, uh, revitalize the culture, right? You talked about, we, we are at war right now. We do have this, an internal war. The war that we have today is ideological. Yeah. And you said it best. There are people in the highest places in American culture, whether that's government, whether that's corporations, big corporations, whether that's our school system, every major system in America has people in key leadership positions that do not like what America is or stands for. And consequently, you can see this ideological war happening everywhere. Let me, I'm gonna tee this up on the free speech and cancel culture because obviously when you decided to run for office, you have become a target of sorts because your your um, values and ideology is not consistent with the prevailing controlled narrative. Have you encountered people that want to cancel you, that want to silence your voice in this process? I, I encountered it long before. Um, you know, I've been, I've been outspoken for many years um, about, and you read it in my bio, uh, I've been engaging in con- conservative thought leadership for many years. I, I used to take every opportunity I could get over the last several years to make, you know, videos for Dan Bongino or Dinesh D'Souza or Sean Hannity or whoever it was. You know, if there was a if there was a topic that, that I felt um, 
you know, was, uh, was pressing in our culture and important in our culture because it is a lot of, a lot of the war that you see going on is a war of ideas. But, um, you know, so, you know, my company, my company, uh, Bottle Breacher, we were canceled off Twitter. Um, mm. I think a year and a half before Donald Trump was, you know, Twitter threw Donald Trump off and it, it's just, it is what it is. We couldn't, we couldn't get any response from them, you know, and that, you know, that's the type of thing that, you know, bothers me so much is that this is, it, it, it is partisan. It's not, it's not a fairly balanced system. There's a certain narrative and a certain side that kind of, uh, you know, gets the ability to do and say what they want. And then there's a side that's not acceptable, canceled, deplorable, et cetera. And so, yeah, that, that is something I've been dealing with for a long time, but it just goes back to, okay, uh, this is, this is just part of the game and this is part of this new fight. And it, you just like we, like we used to do in warfare. If this, if, if the enemy's outflanking us or defeating us over here, we got to find a new way around. We got to find a new way to attack them. And we got to find, and, and when I say attack them, I'm really meaning we got to find a way to continue to preserve and conserve American culture, our way of life and freedom of speech and all these things that we, you know, real Americans hold so, so dear. Yeah. It's funny. So you were canceled before cancel culture became a thing. No, I, mean, I think really. it was, a, I think it was a thing. It was just, um, you know, I've been, I've been dealing with it before I even ran for ran for office. We came Amazing. out publicly. We were one of the few companies, I think, you know, and I think a lot of veteran companies, veteran entrepreneurs, um, you know, did this just because we, uh, I think we're a little bit more patriotic than a, your, your average, you know, your average group. But, uh, we came out, uh, with, you know, very, very conservative leanings very early on. And that's something that, you know, you're taught in business 101, you don't do because you, you'll yeah. alienate a demographic. But I saw the writing on the wall a long time ago that this was going to be a cultural war. Mm. And I also watched a lot of, you know, good men and women, you know, completely sit it out and would not participate in it. And I still see them every single day. And I'm like, hey, there's a war going on, whether you like it or not. And if you don't jump in and help us out, we're going to lose it. And then it's going to be a lot worse. Your situation is going to be a lot worse than it is now. So you better pick a side and you better you better jump into this fight or don't complain. Yes. Don't complain when you don't have the you no longer have the freedoms that you had yesterday. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's not it's not even something, you know, it's not even something that I like to think or say to people because I don't I don't want people to have to fight. I want yeah. people to be able to live their lives and be free and you know, watch their Netflix show and just, you know, do whatever the, do whatever the hell they want to do. But that's not the yeah. reality anymore. There is yeah. a war going on for this country and you pick a side and, or you, you, or you sit out, you continue to be complacent, act like it's not happening. And then you will, you will deal with the fallout of it. You will. Yeah. And you'll have nobody to blame but yourself. And that's, right. and, and that's the reality of the situation. It is. And that's a perfect segue because it is coming to your neighborhood, right? This is not an out there thing, an out there war. Oh, the politicians are battling it out. You know, elections come and go. Uh, this is a, no, no, this affects my local community. This affects my local business. This affects my schools and medical decisions that are made. Okay, let's talk about this. Uh, medical freedom. It's one of our, you know, obviously COVID, COVID just ended, I guess. I, I got word. I guess the media has decided, somebody decided that COVID is over. Oh, imagine uh, and that. now Imagine that, Jimmy. Wow. I mean, wow. I mean midterms <laughs> right around the corner. It's amazing. Hey, but they're following the science, Jimmy. They're following oh, the yeah. science. Bro. <laughs> exactly. I keep saying, is this the political science or is this actual science? Yeah, and We know exactly you know, what kind of science it is. Jimmy. We know exactly what this is. It's very disturbing as a, anyone with, with a, an intellectual look at any of this sees this for what it is, right? But the narrative has changed. But, you know, for the last two years, there has been a brawl between government control and individual freedoms, especially around medic the medical piece. And the government control is this is the narrative. Uh, this is these are the mitigation strategies that we're going to require. We're going to mandate everything. We're not going to give you information so that you can make in an informed decision about any of this. 
I'm going to get I'm going to get in trouble for saying what I'm saying, actually. But um, the medical narrative has been consistent, right? Government's in control. That's why they have this emergency powers. So let's enact our emergency public health powers so that we can suspend, in essence, suspend the Constitution, suspend the Bill of Rights, silence anyone with a, a separate narrative. And in, in fact, we've seen literally thousands, not not 20, thousands of physicians who have been silenced who have received letters, we know of physicians who have received letters from the medical board threatening their licenses if they try anything different than the official narrative. The medical freedom issue is massive. This is going to come back, right? This is, this is not a one and done, let's experiment. This is coming back. The thing that has bothered me most is the purge, the economic purge. We are, we are saying get this vaccine is, manda is mandated. If you don't get it, you will lose your job. Um, that's happening in, with police officers, first responders, teachers, all medical professionals, nurses, doctors, etc., the military, and on and on it goes, sports teams. Uh, and what concerns me about this, sorry for my rant, what concerns me about this is I have, a, I have kids that are coming through college that are getting degrees that we've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for, right. who have made the personal medical decision not to be vaccinated based upon the information it benefits, risks, and alternative treatments. And now they can't even enter into their career field because that entire career field has decided that vaccines are mandatory. Help us understand, I mean, medical freedom's massive, right? Because if you don't have body autonomy, if you can't have a say in what, you, what medical treatments you're gonna have, you really can come uh, limit your opportunities. Tell me about if this is an issue for you. 100%. I mean, it, 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 it's right in chorus with everything that everything else that's going on. And it goes back to, you know, who has, who has the power. And like I tell people all the time, evil, tyranny, totalitarianism, it never sleeps. It never sleeps. That's why Reagan said decades ago, we are freedom is always one generation away from extinction. And I know it's overused <clears throat> and, 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 you know, we just blow it off. We don't even tune in. But guys, this is how it's going to be till the end of time, because evil never sleeps. Yes. It's never, it never will. It never will. It will always want, it will always want more control. It will always want more power. That's why our founders, you know, they knew that that's why they wanted uh, that's why they created a government with checks and balances. They wanted it to be hard for the, you know, the government to get things done, you know, in, in essence, they, they, you know, and it, it's just like, and that's why they gave we, the people, the power, because they knew that, and that, you know, they knew what would happen. That's another reason they gave us a second amendment. And I know a lot of people don't like to talk about it. They don't like to hear it. They don't even like to go down that road in their head, but let me tell you something. Okay. Let me tell you something. And this is just a truth and a reality. The biggest reason that you have a second amendment and it's right after the first one isn't to go out and be able to hunt a deer or a duck. It's because our founders just got done dealing with tyranny. They studied history. They knew about evil and they knew that it never slept. And they wanted you and I to have the ability to protect ourselves if and when that day came where it became overreaching. And it became to the point where, you know, uh, our very lives, our freedom, our liberty, whatever it was, was in so much jeopardy, you know, that we felt we had to defend ourselves. And I, again, I know people don't like to go down that road and I hear you like it's it's not something that I even like to think about, but it's a reality. And it's like evil never sleeps, guys. And this is why, you know, I, I, I did an event last night. And I, I'm probably one of the only candidates on the trail that will tell people that I'm not the answer. I am not the answer. You know what you know what the answer is? The answer is activism. The answer is the opposite of complacency. The answer is for you to get involved. The answer is for you to become a, a PC committeeman or you to run for state or local or federal office. And if you won't do it, get behind somebody that will and support them. Because the day and age of us being complacent and, 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 and just being focused on our Netflix show 
in our little job so that we can, you know, we can go on this vacation and make sure that our kids go to school. Those days are done and over. Yes. And it's like, you have to, you have to get involved or we're going to, we're going to lose it. I'm telling you that right now. We're going to lose it. Yeah. It feels that way. And you mentioned the bill of rights, you know, you mentioned the second amendment in particular and how it follows directly after the first amendment, which is the protection of our speech, our religious freedoms, um, our ability to assemble, all of which every single one of those things was absolutely suspended during this crisis, if you will. I, I don't, believe it was a crisis. I think we kind of, ex- we made it into a crisis. Um, however, what I love about the, I that's love because, the Bill of that's Rights. That's because you're anti-science, Jimmy. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. Man. <laughs> exactly. You know, I've got, I've gotten COVID. So what I love about America is you have the freedom to choose, evaluate the information and then make the decision for yourself. I respect someone's ability to make the decision to get vaccinated or even to, or even to wear a mask. That's the beauty. Of, I mean, you can wear 10 masks. I don't care. Yeah. But I also, right. Yeah. And even if they, regardless of whether we think they work or not, we've got enough science now to know that the vaccines don't do what they were promised to do, which is to prevent infection and spread. They don't do that. We know that. That's actually been admitted by the CDC. That shouldn't be controversial. Are you sure? Because I heard an interview with Dr. Fauci just, I think yesterday, and he said that, you know, he actually made a, a counter argument to that. So I, I don't know that uh, Fauci and the CDC are on the same page, but they maybe not. I, I heard, I heard that you, maybe it's more of a confusion campaign. I'm, I'm really not sure, but I think a lot I of us have been, been skeptical for a long time, figured that one out a yeah. long time ago. And again, exactly. guys, I think you get vaccinated or wear masks. I'm cool with it, you know, but yes. I'm not cool with you. Yes. I'm not cool with you um, promoting medical tyranny and forcing other people to make That's choices right. for their body and put medications in their body that they don't think are necessary or, you know, might not do some harm to them down the road. That's right. You know, this idea of, you know, I'm all for freedom, not for mandates. Uh, You know, we like freedom, not force. Uh, I don't believe our government should ever sit in a position of forcing you to make that decision, especially when your current health condition might be contraindicated. If you, you, you might be at risk and only you and your physician know that and you should have the freedom, and, and it shouldn't be an exemption. The freedom to decide should be the standard. That should be the foundation. If you want, if you want to get a vaccine or, get the, or wear a mask, you can. That's the beauty of the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights limits the government's ability to infringe upon your individual freedoms. It really isn't as much about my right to something. It's about the government being restricted from infringing upon my right to do that. But Jimmy, why, 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 would, yeah. why would we even want to do that? I mean, they have our best right. interest in mind, right? I mean, you know. Exactly. No, I, yeah, I mean. I know. I don't, I don't really get what all these, all these crazies are so whipped up about. I mean, everybody knows that the government has our best interest in mind at all times. <laughs> I mean. I love your sarcasm. Sarcasm yeah. is my favorite language, actually. <laughs> um, well, I will say this. So you're a Sig Sauer brand ambassador. Okay. So I'm, I, I love that because I'm a Sig Sauer fan. Uh, that's, that's the brand of choice for me with respect to the firearms that I have. Um, tell me a little bit about how, why Sig? Is it the best brand? I mean, it's not, even, <laughs> it's not even a question. See, the thing <laughs> is, is like, um, I carried a Sig 226 in the SEAL teams and I was also the ordinance rep at SEAL team three. So that, you know, for, like four years while I was there. And so one of, one of the things it entailed in that job was to, you know, you had to know all the weapons, you know, you had to know a lot about them. You had to, you had to mm-hmm. fix the ones that were broken. You had to turn the ones in that were broken. You know, we had machine guns, suppressors, lasers, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. And, uh, that was one thing that I didn't have a lot of issue with was the six hour two, two, six. And so I knew it was a solid brand. And then when I got an opportunity, once I got out to go, tour the facility and meet some of the folks there i was blown away i didn't know how big sig sour was and i did the other thing i didn't know was that you know at the time 90 like 98 percent of their manufacturing was in the united states because sig sour sounds like amazing a, it sounds like a uh, foreign brand and it, that's where it did start but now it's all manufactured in the united states of america and if you go if you go check them out jimmy they have not only yeah. do they have handguns but they have carbines 
Um, they yeah. have suppressors. They have their own optics. They have their own ammunition. Um, you know, and, and now they're now they're starting to uh, get into uh, machine guns as well. So it working with the Department of Defense, and so it's amazing. Uh, it's an amazing company. They have amazing mm. leaders there. Uh, they don't play around. It's all about you know um, improving the gear of the next generation's warfighter and uh, mm. making sure people can defend themselves with quality products. And so. If you're into that type of thing, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you look a little deeper into, uh, and they just came out within the last couple of years, they came out with, um, a hunting line as well. And is that right? I was a sniper in the SEAL teams, Jimmy, and I'll tell you, man, their, their new weapon, their new tactical bolt gun, it's called the SIG cross. I wish we would have had that in the SEAL teams, man, because it is a phenomenal platform. So, okay. So that out for all you long distance shooters out there. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I'm pretty excited because that's it, it's the brand that I chose for concealed, you know, the P365. I have an XL, but now they have the X, which I like even more. It's even smaller. It's funny, years and years ago, my wife and I had this conversation about uh, about defending the family, in essence, about guns. And I think she had some fears about, you know, are guns safe? Can they be handled safely? Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with her where I said, um, where I suggested that it wasn't okay to not have the ability to defend my home and to defend my family in the event that we had a conflict or an intruder. <clears throat> and the, that was the argument for her that changed the game. She didn't want any guns in the house. And when she thought that through, that, boy, what if we did have, with the increase in crime, what if we did have an incident in the home how important would it be that I have stopping power, so to speak? And that changed the entire game. And that has led us to, as a, really as a family, really, really, and I've always believed in the Second Amendment, of course, but now to be prepared yep. and to the point now where my wife is after me, hey, take me to the range. Uh, you know, I need to be prepared. Get me, a, get me a firearms that I can handle. Where I've taken my daughter, my 19-year-old daughter, Grace, to the range, she is prepared. She knows how to handle a firearm, to make that firearm safe, to carry it uh, safely, to use it in the event that she needs to. And what I love about that is I don't think anyone should be a sitting duck for crime. Right. You know, be prepared. And that's why I'm, I'm so supportive of those that decide that they do want to have firearms to protect their family or protect their loved ones. Yeah, I mean, it's really the American way of life. We've been talking about that a lot. You know, that's mm-hmm. another thing I love about what our what our founders recognized. And if you think about it, really what they recognized was unalienable rights, meaning rights from God, not not given by government, but rights from God to protect yourself and defend yourself. And, and when they rec- when they recognize that these rights are from God, um, and and they took a look at right the ability to de- to defend yourself. That's something that I love about the American way of life because it puts individual accountability and responsibility and individual freedoms above the state. And that's what a lot of communist, yeah. socialist, Marxist countries do. They put the state above everything. No, they don't care about your individual you know, needs, wants, responsibilities, ownership, accountability. It's all about the focus is always on the state or the collective, yeah. not on the individual. And the fact that yeah. we have the ability and the freedom – you know, to protect ourselves and protect our family. It's a wonderful gift. Does that mean that everybody needs to exercise it? Absolutely not. But don't try and take it away from others that want to make sure that they can protect themselves and their families. And that's, again, that's that's a big part of the war that's going on, the cultural war that's going on in our country. Because, you know, I, I heard the saying a long time ago, every dictator knows you need to do two things to control a populace. First, you have to control the media and you have to disarm the citizens. And you could make a you could make the argument that in large part they already have, you know, the majority of the media, and so you know it's yes. people need to understand that it it's not business as nor as usual in in this country anymore. You have to wake up, and you have yeah. to you have to get off your butt, and you have to start fighting for you know what you, what you believe in. Yeah, you know, I'm not asking. You said it best. Our rights come from God, not government, right? And all of these tyrannical regimes or authoritarian governments, they all they they want government in essence to be God. You yep. know, they don't want people of faith. In fact, faith is always suppressed in those cultures, in those yep. environments. 
They don't want people to take personal responsibility or ownership for their life. I don't want anyone to come save me or rescue me. That's not someone else's responsibility. It certainly is not the government's responsibility. I have the capacity, I'm not a sitting duck, I have the capacity to be prepared in every direction of my life, right? My physical health, my home, uh, being able to defend my home, having food and water and being prepared. I don't, I'm not looking for someone else to, to save me, to rescue right. me. Right. And that's a mentality though that is disappearing quickly in America because of, let's pivot a little bit to schools. Um, we said this at the beginning that this is an ideological war that's going on right now. And one of the things that I discovered during the, the COVID challenge was I got a window into what they were teaching my daughter in school. She had these Zoom calls. I, I was down working out. We were downstairs in the basement. And I started to hear what the teacher was saying. And I started yeah. to hear what the other students were saying. And almost all of the rhetoric was against people of faith, for real, yep. against uh, conservative values. Yep. And it was the promotion of things that, that I was just shocked by. And I started to give, feed my daughter information to make her defense and then to watch the teacher bully her. I don't like to use the word bullying, it's an overused word, but um, confront her, her opinions and then yeah. allow other students to have a feeding frenzy, if you would, was really disturbing. When you look at the schools, it's become increasingly contentious area, right? Uh, there's a battle over parents' rights right now like we've never seen before and a battle for transparency of curriculum. Tell me about what you're seeing in the area of the schools. It, 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 it's right on chorus again with everything else that I see going on. And like it, for your viewers and followers out there, if you guys haven't gone and watched the Yuri Bezmanov videos, um, the ex-KGB defector who came to the United States and talks about what the KGB and uh, communism, how they wanted to defeat the West without firing a shot. Mm. You see that with, you know, the Chinese, you see it with uh, the Russians as well. Um, he, he goes into chapter and verse and he will he will lay out for you, um, you know, what these folks have been trying to do in academia for a long time. He calls it ideological mm. subversion. You know, he says with his thick Rus Russian accent, you Americans, you think that, you know, the KGB, you know, we're focused on all the James Bond espionage stuff. And he's like, I've talked to other KGB defectors. At my, there were high ranking officers at my level. And mm. we've all agreed that only about 15% of our budget was is spent on the, you know, sexy James Bond espionage stuff. The majority of our focus, the majority of our resources went into your classrooms your culture, your entertainment, etc., and with ideological subversion. And, and he, he goes into, like, they have a doctrine that teaches how long each of the four segments of this takes. And they can't even believe how fast it's destroyed the West from within. And so don't take, don't take my word from it. Don't take Jimmy's mm -hmm. word for it. Go Google Yuri Bezmenov, a KGB defector who talks about what they wanted to do. And and he, he even says, look, yeah. guys, the reason I defected here, the reason I'm telling you this is because if America falls, I've got nowhere else to go. I'm a dead man. Okay. And, and he wanted to wake people up. And he was talking about this back in like the 90s. I mean, when you watch these videos, it's not good television quality because it was so long ago. Yeah. You fast forward 30 years. This is why right now where I live in Arizona, we have a high school and they're, they're having a drag show at their high school. Okay. I mean, it's like, this is, it's a progression. It's death by a thousand cuts. It's not, it's not an accident guys. It's very intentional. It's very calculated. It's how, it's how many of our enemies wanted to tear down the West, tear down our culture, make us turn on ourselves, make us ungrateful for everything that we have, make us split yeah. us up into groups as Jimmy and I were talking about earlier so that they can divide and conquer us. And it's working. And, you know, the yeah. only the only way to the only way, um, you know, for us to turn it around is to wake up, in my opinion, is to turn back to God as a country, to humble ourselves as a country yes. and to get back to our founding documents, our Constitution, edu ed educate our kids on real American history, re mm -hmm. what our rights are, where they really come from. They're unalienable. They come from God. They don't come from government. 
And it's gonna be it's gonna be a drop down drag out fight. And I'm telling you right now, if more of you don't get involved, um, we're yeah. It's it's this experiment is gonna be over if more of you don't get involved. That's yeah. that's the sad truth. You know, one thing, Jimmy, I'm yeah. a sniper. Okay, one thing one thing that you <laughs> learn in sniper school is you learn trajectories. Okay, from the minute that mm. bullet leaves the gun, it starts being affected by gravity and it it starts to fall. And we, we study trajectories a lot so that we know where our bullet's going to impact and how much elevation we have to put into our our elevation turret on our, our rifle scope. If you watch traje- trajectories from where this country started to where it's at now, the writing is on the wall, guys. Mm-hmm. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news. It's not my style. I like people to just be carefree, fancy-free, do whatever, do whatever you want. But I'm telling you right now, I've been watching this trajectory for a long time, and we're going to lose it if more of you don't get off your butts and get in this fight. And, you yeah. know, Jimmy, thank you, brother, for what you're doing yeah. because, you know, even having even having guys like me on your show and having conversations about medical tyranny on your show obviously, yeah. you know, opens you up to being a target, cancel culture, all of it. But I'm telling you, if, if more of you guys don't do what Jimmy's doing, more of you guys don't run for office, and more of you guys don't get involved in your school boards, we will lose it. And, and yeah. your kids and our grandkids – and all the next generations will suffer because we were cowards and we were complacent and we were too scared to do the right thing. You know, I love that. I I think it's time to wake up the warriors, right? It's like, this is one of those moments where we're saying you have to engage right now, or there's not going to be a point. There will be, there will come a day when you won't be able to engage. It'll be done. And, you know, obviously you've spoken a lot in our conversation just about how important your faith is. Tell us that. Is that is your faith a part of your driving force in this? And does it, how does your faith help you engage in this without getting discouraged? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Well, mm. you know, it's interesting as somebody who's running for public office, I don't believe that we ever create a utopia on earth. Yeah. You know, Christ even, um, you know, even told folks in his day, you will always have the poor with you, you know, and, you know, it's, it, does that mean I, I don't think we should help the poor? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Um, but because, because I have a Christ centered life and because I read my Bible and I do believe it's the word of God. Um, and, and, and I am waiting for him to come back. I hope and I pray that he comes yes. back during my lifetime. I don't know if, I don't know if that'll happen or not, but my my focus isn't here on this earth. My focus yeah. is on eternity, and where the people that I love spend eternity. And but on on top of that, I also want people, you know. And I agree. And 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 I'm going to throw out the disclaimer, okay, Jimmy. <laughs> I realize again that not everybody believes what I believe, and I I am glad you don't have to believe what I believe. I don't want to force my opinion on you. But this is just what I believe, and I'm not afraid of it. I'm not ashamed of it, so I'm just going to say it. Um, until until Christ returns and creates the only utopia that will ever be on this earth, I think that we owe it you know, to human beings and humanity to try to live with as much freedom and, and fairness and love as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of my one of the tattoos I have on my arm, right? right here it says evil triumphs when good men do nothing and you know it is so it is so true jimmy and you know um uh, i feel that what i'm doing right now is a calling and it's the only reason i'm doing it it's the only reason my wife agreed to you know to participate in this with me because i am gone all the time i'm i've got a big target on my back people are constantly lying about me trying to drag my reputation through the mud it's not it's not fun it's not fun at all yeah but i'm doing it because i i love people and even the ones that hate even the ones that hate me like i i love you and i love the fact that we can have or at least for a you know a long time we were able to agree to disagree and i want that to continue and i want my kids to have that You know, and so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And Jimmy, when you, you know, to me as a Christian, I know that this life ain't about me, dude. I know Mm. that, you know, and it makes it so much easier to just be somebody of service and be like, I know my stuff stinks. I know I'm not perfect. I know there's a lot I don't know, but I'll go serve. And Lord, if this is what you want in my life, 
I'll go do it. I'll, I'll go do it. And if this isn't what you want in my life, Lord, please shut the door, you know, remove it yeah. from me because I want to serve you and I want to walk in your favor. And that, you know, that right there gives me the, it, it gives me the courage and the strength and the hope and the peace to do something that I never wanted to do and to speak with courage like I am right now, because I know it's not mm. about me. And I, yes. I know in the word it says, you know, they will hate you because they hated me first. And I know that I know that a lot of that hatred, you know, is going to come because I followed some I follow someone who was hated as well and put to death because yes. he, he what you know, because of who he was and what he stood for. And he wasn't he wasn't yeah. compromising in many ways. Yes. So, well, it is, it it is, is what it is, brother. And it, it, it guides everything. Yeah. And um, I. You know, I, I like to tell people, and I know that they this probably doesn't resonate all the time just because I'm so upset, but I do what I do <laughs> out of love, not out of hatred. Do yes. I hate what, do I hate what I see going on? Absolutely. But I love freedom and yes. I love, um, I love people. And, and that really is what drives me to want to put myself out there and serve because I want you mm. all to. Ha- I want you to have the freedom to say, "I hate that guy. I hate everything he yeah. stands for." Because yeah. if you can say that about me, if you can say that about the president of the United States, that means you have freedom, and that's yes. what I love, man. I love it. Yes. So yes. anyway, man, I got I got to get going. But Jimmy, thank you for the opportunity, man. Dude, hey, th- it's so good to be in the fight with you. Thank you for uh, for the courageous, uh, you know, effort that you're underway. I love that this is a calling. We're in it together. Thank you for doing what we're doing. We're going to keep praying for you, brother. Thankful for the time. God bless you, man. God bless you too, man. Thank you, Jimmy.